You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M and who are the top four names in our top 25 Aggies to watch for in 2020. We'll be breaking down that and also our previews for every single game in the SEC. Ingredients to win for Texas A&M and my prediction on if the Aggies can claim a victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores this upcoming Saturday. As always, before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show a more quality sounding podcast every single day. We're on every single Monday through Friday is a Locked on Aggies podcast day. Give me a shout out on social media. I will reply about 99% of the time. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. Top four Aggies to watch for in 2020. Real fast, let's just go through the list, get you caught up on what we have. Number 25 was Haynes King. Number 24 was Devon on Shane. Number 23 was Brian Cole, the junior cornerback. Number 22, Devin Morris, the nickel defender. Number 21 was originally Baylor Cup. I switched that to Caleb Chapman with Cup's injury. Number 20, Dylan Wright. I was a little high on him. He's probably not going to see as much playing time as I wanted. But when you see a four-star recruit, you want to go after them as much as possible. Probably looking back, should have gone after a guy like Jalen Preston. Number 19, Danell Harris. There's always going to be a rookie making an impact. That's my guy right now on the defensive line. Number 18, Ryan McCullum. Brand new starting center. Only change in the offensive line. That's really about it. Number 17, number 16, put them together. Jared Hawker and Kenyon Green. Both got to be success- successful, especially now that the green mile is no more. One's now playing the left. The other's now playing the right. Number 15, Jalen Jones, big cornerback, freshman, going to be the future of the organization. I want to see how well he can play on this football team in his freshman year. 14, Anaya Smith. 13, Leon O'Neal Jr. 12, Damani Richardson. 11, Keldrick Carper. And into our top 10, starting off with DeMarvin Leal. Somehow or another, he did not make the preseason All-SEC team. It's a shame, but don't worry. He will be on one of those three squads by the end of the year. Number 9, Jaden Peavy, the veteran. Number 8, Bobby Brown, the replacement for Justin Matabike. But he's also on the second team All-SEC, so you know he's going to be in a good spot. Number 7, Jalen Preston. Got to be a guy now, especially the where I was going to put Demon Demas. I got to now put Preston. He's looking more and more like the number one target. Got to be on this list. Number six, Jalen Weidemeyer. Going to be the number one target starting off the year. And number five, Buddy Johnson, commander and chief of the defense, has to play strong. So who comes in at number four? I'm just going to come out. Got to be your number one tailback, which is probably your most important position going into the year. And that's Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller had a fantastic freshman year. He only had a few games where he really broke out, but those are the type of games you want to see. He tied the single-game rushing record set by Travion Williams last year against UTSA with 217 yards. He had four games over 100 yards on the day. He's also had some big-time breakaway runs against teams like Texas State, against Lamar, against UTSA. 
All those are fantastic. He finished just below 1,000 rushing yards to begin his Aggie career. The question is, can he do that against all SEC opponents? Because he struggled at times against the SEC. Now, again, he had a very good game at the end of the year against LSU, but he struggled immensely against Arkansas. He did not score a single... I didn't think he even got it down against Auburn. So that consistency is something that you want to see. And this is the season that he has to do it. Because it's all SEC. You don't play a Colorado or a even a Colorado State. You don't play a San Jose State. You don't play an Abilene Christian. To where you get that one or two games where you're going to rush for 130 yards. And that makes up about a fifth of your production of the year. This is all SEC. And this upcoming week, they're facing off against a defense that is returning all 11 starters and a linebacking core that knows how to play with each other so well, one will play the front line, one will play the second line, one can kind of hover in coverage and come down and make the final impact play. So I want to see what Spiller can do. He is a talented running back who's known for his burly size and his ability to make defenders miss after contact. That is his bread and butter. That is what's going to set him apart from every other player on this roster. He can bulldoze defenders over. He can make defenders miss in the open field. But on top of all of that, he is fantastic when trying to be brought down. That's the thing I noticed last year. That's the thing that I'm very excited to see. I hope that that is what we see from him at the beginning of the season. Because if so... AM's run game can live up to expectations of what Spiller and Anaya Smith are saying. Smith believes that they're going to be the best one-two combination in the conference. The only way that happens is if you see a guy like Spiller take that next step moving forward. But overall, he's a talented player. He's arguably, in my opinion, either the second or third top offensive player on the roster, and he's going to be detrimental to the team's success. More importantly, it's because of his production last year that needs to translate over that we get to see in 2020 that will really help, I think, settle down guys like Kellen Mond, settle down guys like Smith, settle down all the receiving core. They can know if push comes to shove, we have a guy who's going to be able to get us some points and keep us floating. Number three. Tyree Johnson, always going to be a fan of Tyree Johnson, but more importantly, without the likes of Justin Matabike, who led the team in sacks last year, you got to go to your number two option, and that is Johnson. Last year, he had a pretty decent year overall, played in 10 games, had 32 total tackles, 6.5 tackles for losses, four sacks on the year, he had a pass deflection, and in his entire career, he has five sacks, forced fumble, fumble recovery, pass deflection, He's done a little bit of everything. In the SEC, the best way to win is by pressuring a quarterback who has no idea what they're doing. Week one, they're playing against a quarterback who's never taken a snap at the collegiate level. It's going to be likely one of the freshmen, whether it be Max Wright or Ken Seals. So he's going to have a chance to beat up on an offense that is so depleted, he doubles his sack intake by week four. He could get three sacks just in this game. And that way, he's one away from tying his all-time record. You want to see that type of production. And there's games where they're going to have that. KJ Costello in Mississippi State. It's an air raid offense. They're going to be playing a lot of shotgun. And if the offensive line struggles, you're not a mobile quarterback, KJ Costello. You're going to stay in the pocket and try to deliver a strike. But however many hits you take from Johnson is likely going to have you look at Garrett Schrader maybe to have to come in. 
you look down in uh, Ole Miss. Matt Coral, if he's going to start, you're going to have to have John Reese Plumley sitting in the wings. Because if, if they run pressure, you have to have a running quarterback. That's just the way it works. If you can have a talented pass rusher every single play, add pressure to a backfield, and more importantly on top of all that, play consistently, that makes you a more quality team. The defense is going to be good this year. How good is the question? They finished last year in the top 30 in run support. I want to see them get a little higher. I think they finished only 60th in set total sacks. They got to be better there. Johnson has all the tools, and also he has two years of quality experience to be that guy. Michael Clemens is going to be a rotational player. Leal eventually, I think, is going to take over. I think a lot of people understand that. Johnson is not. He's going to be the guy who consistently is making plays in that backfield. And he has to be. When you have, on both sides of the ball, a quality pass rusher, a quality corner, a go-to target, and a quarterback, along with protection, you're in a very good spot. They have a quality corner, who we're about to talk about. They have a quality quarterback, who we're about to talk about. They have a go-to weapon that's unconventional, but still a go-to weapon. They have to have that production on the pass rush. That is why Tyree Johnson comes in at number three for me. With the Aggie season kicking off, you know you're going to tailgate all day, and sometimes those games are going to be late, so you have to stay ready to go. That's why I recommend to have a Built Bar on hand for every single tailgating event. Built Bar, you already know about them. They have 12 original flavors, such as German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, salted caramel. Now you can try six new flavors that probably are even better, like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Now, these ball bars are more like candy bars than anything else because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. They're great for someone on the health-conscious side of things. More importantly, they help you lose or maintain your weight while getting a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for someone like me on the keto diet. Right now, I'm trying the cookies and cream, and I can tell you this much. It is fantastic with flavor, but it's also fantastic with facts. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else. And so, go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's tailgating season. We all want to have a good time. But the best way to have a good time is to make it inside the stadium. By doing so, you'll start it off right by having a Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat. Talking all things Texas A&M. All right, guys. Do you love quality sounding podcasts every single day? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, and highlight information to get you geared up to win your fantasy football season. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Number two in our top Aggies to watch for. The only thing that's just more important than maybe a pass rusher, because you can have a couple of really good ones, but you need a sound cornerback in the league. And that's where Miles Jones comes in at number two. Jones is going to have to step up in a big way, not only because of he's returning as a starter, but also 
He's the only starter returning. Now with Elijah Blades opting out, you have Devin Morris, who did start last season in a limited role alongside Charles Oliver. He's really kind of getting his footing this year as the full-time starter. You have Brian Cole, who is not going to start immediately, but could fight for reps. You have Trayvon Fuller, and you have Jalen Jones. None of them have started a game before. You are now CB1. Your job is to look at every single competition, look at every single receiver, at every team, pick out their number one target, that's your guy. And in games against Florida, in games against Alabama, in games against LSU, and in games against Auburn, that's going to matter. Luckily for him, there's no Jamar Chase. That's a good thing. Chase is out. He's going to the NFL. But you still have Terrace Marshall, who was the lost receiver in a loaded LSU team. Terrace Marshall had under 700 yards last year as the third option and had 13 touchdowns. I mean, that's how productive LSU was last year. That's how deep of a roster LSU was. He wasn't even in the double-digit range, yet he still was so productive, he just sort of gets lost in the mix. Oh, yeah, I had, you know, 700 yards last year. Oh, was I good? Yeah, I had 13 touchdowns. Oh, I mean, I wasn't 1,700, but I had 13 touchdowns. Yeah, come fight me. That's Miles Jones' job. He still is the number one target. He still is a quality receiver that eventually is going to find his way into the NFL. You have Seth Williams at Auburn. He set records. He's being the number one guy up there. People kind of forget about Seth Williams because he's lost in the mix of all these talented receivers. You also have a guy by the name of Devonta Smith at Alabama who's going to play on the outside. Would have probably been a second-round pick last year, and the only reason he didn't go to the NFL, he weighed 175. He wanted to put on more muscle. But he's got the speed. He's got the size. He can win. You are a six foot four cornerback who played above average in coverage last year and is trying to show that you can be a shutdown corner in the SEC. If you show you're a shutdown corner in the SEC, the worst that happens, you get a tryout. That's the worst that happens. The best that happens is you're drafted in the top 10. You look at every single team. Ohio State is one college that produces defensive backs. Florida produces defensive backs. Alabama produces defensive backs. In recent years, Auburn's produced defensive backs. LSU is still probably, if not DBU, one of the two DBUs. And A&M can produce defensive backs as well. So this is your chance to really step up and show you are the number one talent. Your job, week in and week out, find their top target and kick his butt. Make him lose every contest. You take away a team's number one target, you're going to be able to find out just how talented a quarterback is, just how dangerous a quarterback is, and on top of all that, how much a quarterback can work without their top target. They do it every day in camp, but when the lights are on, can you go to your number two? Is your number three going to be available? Because if not, you are toast. But number one, I told you guys at the very start of the year, Jamon Osmond was going to be the guy I was going to be looking for. And because he opted out, congratulations, Kellen Mon, you're number one. Don't get me wrong, Kellen Mon was going to be number two on my list because if I do think Kellen Mon has to be that guy. But this is a year where a lot of things got to click for Kellen Mon to make it at the next level. He will always go down in AM history 
as one of the better quarterbacks to come through College Station. I don't think that there's ever going to be a question denying that. The biggest thing is, can he be that next guy? Can he be more decisive? Can he work on his mechanics? Can he step up in the pocket? Can he make plays? What can he do that separates him in this quarterback carousel? Kyle Trask has started in less games and is considered a better quarterback at this point. You got to end that conversation really early. You'll get the chance on October 10th, but you got to end it even faster. Starting hot against Alabama. Exploding on Saturday against Vanderbilt. Going into that week three matchup so locked in. You look like the quarterback to beat. And he can be. The biggest thing I worry about is his third down efficiency. You no longer have your go-to weapon in Jamon Ospin. One thing I will say, Joe Burrow, the thing that worked for him the best was when he got a new OC, he kind of had these new weapons. He never really worked with Marshall before. He didn't really work that much with Jamar Chase, very little. Instead, he started to target them. And when he did, things started clicking. Now, am I going to say that Kellen Mond is going to be a 63 touchdown, you know, NCAA record-breaking guy? No. But he does have the arm to be a 35 touchdown type of guy. He does have the weapons, if proven by the talent from recruiting, to be a top 10 quarterback when it comes to passing touchdowns. He also has that dual threat ability that makes him dangerous in the open field. None more so than last December when the team faced off against Oklahoma State in Houston. He is a complete package at quarterback. And he's also what the NFL looks for in quarterbacks today. Size, speed, arm strength. If you could put a little bit more muscle on him, you're looking at a guy who's kind of a little bit more bulkier than Lamar Jackson with probably the speed of Josh Allen. That's what you're looking at. And that will win in the NFL. Can he be that guy? That's the biggest question. Mon's ceiling to me is a 10-0 year. There's no denying that. His floor to me cannot be 6-4. and four. His floor has to be, at worst, 8-2. and two. You have to be an 8-2 and two quarterback in this schedule. Again, Tennessee is no longer a guaranteed win. South Carolina is a rivalry game. LSU is still LSU. And Auburn's going to be right there in the mix, competing for a shot to dethrone Alabama and take over as the new SEC West contenders for 2020. Callan Mond is the X Factor. Everything is finally built around him to work. And it does sting that he lost his number one weapon. But he has to make it work. A&M is too dang good of a roster to finish 7-3 or 6-4. They're too dang good. And it all comes down to number 11. So congrats, number 11. You're number one on the Aggies to watch for in 2020. Let's get this preview on the road. All teams in the SEC will be taking off this weekend. Who is in line to win? And what is A&M's final score going to be in this game? How are they going to win it? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down how in just a quick moment. 
Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. And listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. SEC Week 1 preview is here. Let's break it down. Here we go. Game 1 to watch for this upcoming weekend is the 12 o'clock kickoff between 23, Kentucky, number 8, Auburn. The thing that would make this matchup so much better would be if Joey Gatewood, the former Auburn quarterback, was playing against Bo Nix. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a guy who maybe could come in and actually compete with the former son of the legendary Knicks from Auburn. Instead, Bo won it outright. Bo knows best. I think Auburn is maybe going to be a little sluggish out of the gate. I'm not sure I like the Chad Morris hire as much. But I th- still think they find a way to win, especially if Terry Wilson is playing every single snap of quarterback. Number two, number five at Florida versus Ole Miss at Vaught Hemingway. If fans were allowed in the stands to a full degree level, I maybe would see this be a lot closer of a game. It's Lane Kiffin's start all aboard the Lane train, but he hasn't left the station just yet. I don't think that that's going to be the week upcoming. I think that what you see with Florida is even though they lost some key players at both the defense side of the ball and on offense, such as Van Jefferson, uh, such as C.J. Henderson, uh, such as um, Ziggy Anoye, Jonathan Greenard, you know, all those players, they're still Florida. They still know how to produce. They still know how to recruit. And they still have Kyle Trask and they still have Kyle Pitts. That alone, I think, is going to combine for at least 130 yards and two touchdowns on the day. Florida big in that one. Number six, LSU playing host to Mississippi State. This is going to be an interesting one. This is the upset game. If there is an upset game of the week, it's this. Can Miles Brennan be the guy, the next in line at LSU, or is he going to struggle? Is there not going to be any rhythm with LSU after a big-time year? Can the national championship hangover subdue? And what's Mike Leach's you know, arrival in the SEC going to mean? Can the air raid offense really work? Can it be at an elite level like it was out west? And if so, is KJ Costello going to be the savior for Mississippi State that really keeps him involved? Close, but I'm still going to go with the likes of LSU getting the win just because of a shortened offseason. You don't really know what you're going to have. UGA going to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm just going to say this right now. UGA wins. I'm not going to waste much time on this. Alabama going up to Columbia, Missouri. Don't need to waste much time with this. It may be a little closer because you don't really know what you have with Mac Jones. But I do think that this is going to be an easy win for Alabama. At least a two-touchdown win. Number 16, Tennessee taking on the likes of South Carolina. Tennessee's overrated. They really are. I mean, I don't have to waste much time. I think a lot of people know that. What I want to see is can the new quarterback from Colorado State, grad transfer who came with Mike Bobo, take over in Columbia as the next big name? You know, a lot of people thought Ryan Helensky was going to get the start. He struggled a little bit towards the end of the season. The new kid came in. He's making a pretty big impact. I want to see how he looks really early on because this could be a South Carolina team that, one, is playing for Will Muschamp's job and also a really good shot to be a contender in the SEC East in a shortened offseason, especially when you look at what was lost at Georgia, when you look at what was lost at Florida. There's not really a straight-up front runner just yet. If Tennessee struggles, yeah, I mean, they're going to be out. I already think that they're overrated. I think that they win this game, but it's by a field goal. It isn't a convincing win for sure. 
And we're on to Texas A&M versus the likes of Vanderbilt here at College Station. Kyle Field kickoff will be set at 6.30 Central Time. The game will be on SEC Alternative Channel. Keys to win. It's establishing an offense. Find your offensive identity. You don't really know what you have this year, and that's okay right now. It is against a struggling Vanderbilt team that has no idea what they're doing on offense. But you want to be able to find a rhythm either through the air or on the ground that makes you a complete team. If you can do that, it kind of allows you to see where your balance is going to be. Are you going to be 70-30 running? Are you going to be 70-30 passing? 50-50 between the air and on the ground? Can Anaya Smith be effective as a runner like he was as a receiver? Can these new receivers really step up and defeat this Vanderbilt team that is bringing back 11 starters? Can Kellen Mond be the guy? Those are all questions that can be answered probably by halftime, if we're being completely honest. Number two, the thing I want to watch out for the most, the young talent. If this is how everything is supposed to go, which is a close game until the second quarter, by the fourth quarter, you should see a lot of the backups be coming in. That's the future of AM. That's where you see guys like Jalen Jones really step up. That's where I think you'll see guys like Edron Cooper and Antonio Doyle or Andre White Jr., the next group at linebacker, come in and be effective. That's where you'll see guys like McKinley Jackson, Danell Harris, Fidel Diggs, all that. They'll likely see reps during that time. And then you'll see maybe Haynes King, who is probably the top quarterback prospect that they've seen at AM since Kyler Murray. I mean, that's just how talented Haynes King is. Can he come in against an SEC defense and kind of slice and dice them up as an effective pocket passer? And he's also very fluent on the run. So I want to see that happen. Number three, and this is the big one of all, can the defense be a complete unit? Anthony Hines is opting out. It stings. Oh, well. You got to do next man up mentality. Aaron Hansford's a name that everyone's going to be looking out for. But this was a team that could not generate a pass rush last year. They were very good against the run, top 35 in the country. They were very good against the pass overall, top 50 in the country. But pass rush is where they struggled. Can they involve as a pass rushing unit? Can they involve as a run stopping unit? They were four, fifth in the SEC. Can they be second or first? They were seventh in the SEC in pass defense. Can they be top five? I want to see more of that production. This will be a game where you have a young quarterback who's new to the system with a new coordinator trying to figure things out. If you can get to them early, you can get to them often. And if you can get to them often, you can get a win. Final score prediction, A&M is going to play this close in the first quarter, but I think Isaiah Spiller and Nia Smith are going to prove why they are one of the more dangerous running back duos in the SEC in the second. I expect both of them to finish with a touchdown. I expect both of them to have at least 75 yards on the ground. I'm going to say Weidemeyer gets another touchdown. I'm going to throw Demond Demas in there, and I'm going to say he gets the first wide receiver touchdown. Maybe he only gets about eight or nine snaps. But one of them is going for a touchdown. Give me AM 42 to 14 against the Commodores. I think Derek Mason's squad will play it close. I think at one point it will either be 14 to 7 AM or it will be 7 to 10. I mean 10 to 7 AM. I do think that it's gonna be early, but after a while, AM's offense is gonna find their rhythm. They're gonna find their consistency. They're gonna be rolling and they're gonna be 1-0 when we come back on Monday.
That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and listen every single day on Spotify and iTunes. Subscribe there. We will see you Monday, hopefully celebrating an Aggie win. Enjoy the game, everyone. Gigam, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.